Good afternoon, Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email, talk at WDAY.com. Or uh, you can tweet me at Rob Port. Good afternoon, Kyle. How are you? Good afternoon. I am well. Did you have a uh, good weekend? I had a great weekend. I had a, I had a good one, too. I had a uh, Yankees were on ESPN last night. So that yeah, always you got means uh, two games Sunday worth night. of innings, too. Yeah, that's right. We got we got a whole game of bonus baseball, nine innings. We had eighteen innings, and it's it started late too because it's on ESPN, right? So you always get a late start if you're on like Sunday night baseball on ESPN. Um, so I mean, it, it started late first of all for Sunday baseball, and then second of all, we went eighteen innings in Wrigley in the Cubs, featured the most strikeouts by any two teams in a game in Major League history. Which I mean, when you think that baseball is like three thousand years old. That's that's pretty remarkable, it seems. Um, so I don't know. It was a great game. I, I'm glad I stayed up, mostly because there is no group of people that do dejection better than Cubs fans. I mean, they've had a lot of practice at it over the years. They're all feeling a little smug now because they finally won a World Series. And so as a Yankees fan, I really appreciate coming in and taking three out of three from them, including a heartbreaker after 18 innings. That was wonderful for me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sure you did, yes, as a Yankees fan. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Nobody else enjoys it. And I got to tell you, like, I get I get a lot of crap for being a Yankees fan, right? Because everybody loves to hate the Yankees. And I got to tell you, the Yankee fan position on this, which is we don't we don't care. We love it. We thrive on your hatred. Keep hating us. We'll keep winning. We're happy to be your villains. Okay. Well, we didn't. Uh, we're not talking about baseball today. We're going to talk about healthcare. Joining me is our insurance commissioner, John Godfried. Mister Godfried, how are you? Doing very well. Thanks, Rob. Hopefully feeling more refreshed than I am. You weren't up all night watching baseball? You were up way past my bedtime, but I'm glad you got to watch it. My, I, I root for the Twins, so our games are usually pretty over pretty early. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know. <laughs> that's the nice thing about the Twins. They make it quick and easy. Yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> uh, I like the Twins. I shouldn't say that. I like the Twins as an organization. I always root for them when they're not playing the Yankees. Uh, all right, let's talk about health care. Uh, Congress, or not Congress, the House of Representatives last week passed some reform. As North Dakota's top man on insurance, what are you seeing? I mean, are, are you liking where they're heading? What do you like? What do you not like? Give us, give us your two cents. Well, I like some of the ideas they've got in there. I think some of the, uh, you know, there's some high-risk pool stuff in there, and, and looking at giving some flexibility back to the states. But overall, I think the, the really important thing is uh, to note is, that we're at the the end of the first period. I mean, the Senate bill that's likely going to come forward is going to be much different than the AHCA, and then likely the compromise bill is going to be much different than even that. Um, so we we still got a ways away until we see what uh, this final product is going to look like. Um, I like the fact they're looking at utilizing some uh, some of the high risk pools that the state has to offer. North Dakota is one of the few states that still has a high risk pool in place, um, and, and I think so. Some of that makes sense where we can take some of uh, the the higher utilizers or the sicker in our population, put them into a kind of a high risk pool and and take them out of the general marketplace, which should hopefully help put some downer pressure on some premiums. But it's still really too early to get it too exercised about much sure. anything at this point. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a wait and see. I've I've 
I've enjoyed reading some of the rhetoric over the weekend, but uh, and yeah. I try not to get too caught up into it. But it's you know we're, we're still pretty early. Talking about what do you mean by by the high risk pool? Because when I'm looking at this, I saw I saw essentially four major reforms. There was some other mm-hmm. stuff in there too, but I, I saw four major changes that the House bill did. We ended the they ended the employer mandate. They ended mm-hmm. the individual mandate. They yep. got rid of essential health benefits. Or I, I guess I guess they gave the states the ability to have a waiver for, from mm-hmm. the benefits, and yep. also gave the states the ability to have the waiver from community pricing now that last is the big one where everybody is saying well okay that's going to cost us pre-existing conditions right so but but i i I don't know i look at it as giving insurance companies the flexibility to maybe price things appropriately because that that to me seems to be the big challenge here right is yeah we've got the government saying well this is what you could charge and this is what you have to cover and the math's not adding up, so all the insurance companies are leaving Obamacare behind, right? That's what's yeah. happening. That's not ideological. That is arithmetic. So what this does is this says, hey, insurance companies, you could go back to, to price signals, which I guess as a market guy, that makes sense. But how does that play in what you were just saying with the high-risk pool? I mean, how, how, it, it laid some of that out for us. So those two waiver pieces that you're, those two pieces that you talked about at the end, the essential benefits and the community community rating, the only way a state can waive out of those is if they have a high risk pool in place, and so they've got they've got to have a high risk pool for the folks who were perhaps in those pools or are affected by some of those changes have an option to go into, and the other the other interesting fact is if you read the bill, um, they the only way you can get into that high risk pool is if you've had a coverage lapse of more than sixty three days, so it's it's a really tight knit waiver. I mean it's a really tight uh, on how you can, so it's not like it's a, a free-for-all wave that you've seen, I'm sure you've seen all, all over the place, where if this passes, oh my God, we're going to wave everything and it's, gonna, it's not going to work. Um, it, there's some really pretty specific uh, guidelines in there that the state has to have a high-risk pool. It can only be used if, if there's a coverage lapse, which is critically important because what we have right now is folks who have been gaming the system. They, they sign up for it when they're sick, and because you can't, you can't reject anybody based on any pre-existing conditions, you know, you don't have to pay your insurance premiums. You don't have to be a part of the insurance market until yeah. you're sick, which, which again, kind of goes against all of the principles of insurance. Well, that's not insurance and, anymore. You yeah, buy insurance it, when you're healthy, right? You buy yeah. car insurance before you crash your car. You buy house Absolutely. insurance before it burns down. You don't, like, watch your house burn down and then call up your insurance agent and buy insurance. That's not insurance. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. That's, that's not and anything. You, you, well, you and and you've, seen, you've seen these carriers leaving the market. I mean, we're North Dakota, we, we've been pretty fortunate. We've still got three carriers in our individual market. We've got Sanford, Blue Cross, and Medica. But, I mean, you don't have to go too far down the road to see Iowa or Oklahoma or Tennessee or, or a number of states they don't have anybody left in their market. And so for the folks who have been out kind of banging the drum that oh, this is the worst thing ever, um, it, you've got to take into account that there are a lot of states that are, fo- that are facing a, a, a central collapse of their individual market. And so if nothing's done, you know, th- there is no more individual market. And so there, things have got to be done. Um, you know, I think it, it begs the question or, or points out that, you know, that the Obamacare as we know it right now is, is failing in a lot of states. And as, co- as Congress kind of works through this and negotiates through whatever the new health care reform is going to look like, you know, you got, I think we've got to focus on the fact that the way it is right now, it can't remain. Uh, you know, it's unsustainable. The math yeah. and numbers don't add up. And so something's got to be done, and we can debate on what needs to be done. But simply saying, don't change anything, don't, you know, don't move my cheese, uh, isn't an option anymore. 
Seven zero one John, t- tell us about these high risk pools, right? Because that's that's the thing. Everything, and I, I mean, I'm reading tweets where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, House Republicans sentence millions to death, right? I mean, that's like <laughs> that's the level of the rhetoric out there. But a lot of that he overheated, I think, very misleading rhetoric is built on the pre existing conditions things. Now you're saying in order for a state to to, to waive that. And say, okay, insurance companies, you can now, and it's not that you can deny based on pre-existing conditions. It's that they could price, they could charge you more if you have a pre-existing yep. condition. The only way they could do that, though, is a high insurance, high risk insurance pool. What is a high risk insurance pool? Well, it's an option that's kind of a partnership between the state and and in North Dakota, we we partnered with Blue Cross Blue Shield, who is our administrator. Essentially, what it is, it's a it's a it's a pool of people who right now in North Dakota, you've got a bit, you have to have been denied coverage to be in that pool. Obviously, that'd have to change if we going forward. Um, but it, it kind of caps your premiums at 133 percent of what you'd find out in the general marketplace, and then anything above above and beyond that gets assessed back to the companies within our state. So it it allows them to take the risk off their books. Uh, and allows the marketplace to kind of recover. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. John, can you hold through the break? Absolutely. I got a few more questions for you. John Godfrey, our North Dakota's insurance commissioner, talking about this health care policy that passed in the United States House. If you have comments or questions, get them in now. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Your call in number 701 293 9000, 888 970 9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I'm talking with North Dakota Church Commissioner John Godfrey. And we're, we're trying to decipher, and John, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you for some specifics, and I'm sure. sorry if I put you on the spot because I. We need to preface all of this by saying that, that we don't, what, exactly what John said at the beginning of our interview. The bill that passed the House is not what's going to become law. More, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, there's like a, there's like a, your chance of winning the lottery chance of this becoming the law. So it, it's not going to happen. It's going to change. There's a lot of process left here, and there's going to be a lot more wheeling and dealing and changes if a policy passes at all. Although I, I think we have to because, as John also pointed out, Obamacare is collapsing. There's a lot of states where there just literally are no options on the exchanges. Something's got to give. So. Uh, but let me ask you this, because again, pre-existing conditions, I think that's what's on the minds of most people. So as, as the house bill is, is written, how, how would it work? Like, oh, okay. So, so North, so say North Dakota applied for the waiver. What yep. changes would we have to make for that high risk? I mean, if let's say I have, um, I don't know, diabetes or something, right. Yep. And I can't get, I, I can't afford the insurance because my insurance company can't deny me, but I can't afford it. So what happens then? Like I go to the high risk pool? Is that how that works? Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the. I mean, if you want to talk about the ninety thousand foot level, I think that's that's kind of some of what it would be. Um, you know, you'd have the option still to be on the private marketplace, or we could look at you know going into our high risk pool is called Chand, um, you know, comprehensive health assistance, um, and so. If if you look at the ninety foot foot thousand view, that's kind of how I think it would work. There's still a lot of details, obviously, to be worked sure. out. But you know, within the bill um, itself, in order to again get this waiver, and then you've got to to have this high risk pool, you've got to prove that it's going to, um, you know, hopefully put some 
downward pressure on some premiums, or there's there's like four key points that you've got to check off within the waiver, all of which I think are, are capable. Um, you know, there there are certain things we'd have to certainly change to our our, our level or our Chand program. Um, right now, it's set at there's a there's a million dollar lifetime cap within Chand. That would probably have to change and go away. Um, right now, in Chand, you've got to be denied by two companies before you can even before you can even enroll in Chand. And you know, since Obamacare has been implemented, and since kind of the guarantee issue piece has come come along, you know, our numbers have dwindled in that program down to I think there's about 500 people that are still enrolled in Chand. Um, so there there be a lot of changes that need to come, and I think that's you know I was really wishing the legislature would save more than three days uh, for these specific issues because whatever we've got going forward, and, and as the bill is currently written right now, you know, the a state would have 45 days from the president's signature to uh, to enroll for this waiver. Uh, that timeline is incredibly short, and I, and I think that's that's unrealistic, and I don't think you'll see that you know again as we go forward in the Senate bill, but. It kind of goes to show, I think, that you know whatever is ultimately passed, our legislature is going to have to come in and, and make some changes, and they're going to have to come in and, and adjust some of these things so we can then take You're advantage right. of whatever the new health care law is. So, so I was we, really we, hopeful that there would be more than yeah. three days, but uh, that's what we're left with. So then if we'd want that waiver, we would have to basically make changes to our existing high-risk yep. pool program. Who pays for the high-risk pool? I mean, obviously, if, if this is a group of people – who can't get insurance, I guess, currently or, or wouldn't be able to afford it, then how are they affording it under the – is that subsidized in some way? Who, who is subsidizing that? So essentially there's skin in the game from the individual um, that's about you know, 100, 133% of whatever your, kind of your average premium out on the marketplace. That's what, that's what the individual would pay. And then anything above that is generally assessed back to the companies within North Dakota. Um, so it's an assessment that's, that the, the insurance companies pay then going forward. So, you know, we, we, we run CHAN, we operate it, and we'll send out a bill at the end of the year saying, okay, here's your responsibility for CHAN, and they pay it back. The reason why I think insurance companies like this option is it gets, they don't have to take the risk on, you know, in their, in their books, and their pool, and they can, they can simply kind of just pay out this, uh, you know, this, this set assessment fee that's kind of spread out across the state. So there's some benefits there, and it's, it's, it's not funded necessarily by the state. It's funded, again, by those insurance companies, but it's, it's, a pro, it's a program that seemed to have worked in North Dakota. And, again, I can't speak to what would happen going forward because changes would need to, to come. Some and, changes. Yeah. and I'm not sure if that assessment piece would, would, you know, would make sense for a, a higher number of folks. Uh, those are all things that we have to debate. It's, it seems like it's almost, I mean, the, the way it is with the insurance companies kind of footing some of the bill, they got some skin in the game. That's yeah, what absolutely. seemed to me a, a financial incentive to, to them to say, hey, let's let's try to, you know, formulate these policies in a way that keep people out of the high-risk pool, yeah. you know, then your bill but, will be smaller and you'll have more paying customers. But the one big thing I think we're missing this whole discussion is, you know, we can talk about, you know, changing some of these health care regulations and these health insurance things, and, you know, in, in some respects we're, we're almost rearranging the, the deck chairs on the Titanic is the, the old adage. The health care yeah, the real driver of this is that healthcare yeah. cost. I mean, it's it's incredible, and the regulations that are put forward uh, by the federal government are, are really restrictive. I mean, we've got folks in our nation who use the emergency room as their primary care physician, which is 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 absolutely it costs us all more when they do that. And and so there, we need to have some more options and some and light yeah. load for a hospital's bill to operate a little bit more efficiently. Well, you know, that's something Governor Burgum's talked a lot about as well. He, he says we've made doctors in some ways like data entry specialists. And, I mean, Absolutely. he's had a lot to say about that, and I think he's spot on with that as well. Uh, yep. John, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime, Rob. Thank you.
That's John Godfrey, North Dakota Insurance Commissioner. We're going to talk with Jason Flores from American for Americans for Prosperity after this. He's got uh, he's got some views on the health care law as well. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. This is the Rob Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Rob Porter here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Kyle, we got our uh, guest, Jason Flores. Yes, we do. All right. Let's bring Jason on. Jason is uh, the head of the North Dakota chapter of Americans for Prosperity, also the the Minnesota chapter. What do you call yourself, Jason? I mean, are you like the head honcho or what? A state director. State director state. for both North Dakota and for Minnesota. All right. I'm going to stick with the uh, head honcho for the North Dakota and Minnesota chapters because I like that better. Um, it works. It works for me. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> what do you think What do you think of this health care policy coming out of uh, – I, 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 you know, and I guess the caveat everybody's putting on this, and we just heard from North Dakota Insurance Commissioner John Gottfried, and, and he made this point that what the House kicked out is not – more than likely not going to be – the final bill, but just talking about the House bill, what are you seeing? Because there was, I mean, the, the reaction to this was pretty remarkable. Um, I, I mean, just from like people are, are literally saying, oh, "Oh, Republicans are sentencing people to death." I mean, that that was sort of the reaction, and it's it's remarkable. What are you seeing? I mean, are they moving in the right direction? Yeah, they absolutely are. I mean, compared with the first bill that they had put out and then ended up not taking a vote on, this is vastly improved over that, uh, probably mostly because it returns even more flexibility and control to the states, rather than trying to perpetuate this federal one-size-fits-all model that we've seen cause so many problems in the marketplace over the last six years. They're, they're saying, wait a minute, these states are different, the communities in each state are different, we need to give them some flexibility and some control to do what's best. I mean, if you look at how North Dakota or Minnesota is different than the needs in, in New York or California or Mississippi, there's no reason that this should be a massive one-size-fits-all federal program. So just by increasing flexibility for the states, this got a little bit better. And despite the um, almost apocalyptic type of reactions to this bill, look, Obamacare is failing. And premiums have increased by double digits for just about everybody in the individual market. And that's having an effect on, on everyone else, whether they're in a state or federal program or whether they're paying and getting insurance through an employer. This, what this Obamacare has done to healthcare in the country has been so disruptive that it has increased costs for everybody. And if this is just that first step toward taking a fix to that, that the Senate is now going to continue on with, that's a good thing by just getting that first step done. What do you say to people who are, are saying, listen, I have health problems in my life? Uh, because this, I mean, that, that's obviously the, the target audience that Democrats are trying to play on, right? It's, it's a right. very emotional argument. You know, we're, we're going to kick people, uh, you know, stuff like, oh, you know, we're going to treat rape like a pre-existing condition, which, by the way, is absolutely false. Uh, you know, just a lot of stuff like that. It's aimed at people... Right who I, I think we need to be very careful, though, not to forget about, right? Like, I don't want to make somebody who has struggled with a health issue their whole life, who has struggled to get coverage, I don't want 
to, to, to have them feeling left out in the cold, right? I don't want them to feel afraid that they're not going to be able to get, I mean, just responsible people who nope. are trying to live their lives, but they're struggling with some health issues and they need access to coverage. They need access to care. And, and no one should diminish their need or, right. or so what's the message the to that? that it's a challenge for those folks to get health care. I mean, you have some people who are saying, well, it's going to be millions of people. And I think by the, the most um, responsible estimates, it's, it's only hundreds of thousands of people with those pre-existing conditions that are going to um, be impacted. And yet this bill takes very big steps. Look, I think there's broad consensus that pre-existing conditions and people with those conditions should be able to get insurance and they should be able to afford and access that insurance. It's really just a question of how we're going to pay that price tag because you've got a group there that's about 5% of that Obamacare marketplace that's easily incurring over half of the costs. So what Obamacare did was they shifted all of those costs to folks that are in the individual market. And that's why you saw those premiums rising so much by 58% in a state like Minnesota, because all of those costs were added onto the insurance premiums in order to pay for that high level of care that folks with those conditions need. What this bill does different is that it just puts in a federal pool. Getting toward something like what Minnesota did before with a high-risk pool in MSHA in that they recognize that we need to find a way to help get that insurance coverage, but we can't put that entire burden on just another set of the marketplace. It's really a continuation of of the shell game in terms of having now a federal pool of money that's going to go out to some of these states that choose to operate more like Minnesota did before. Um, But that's better than just seeing premiums skyrocket. 701 701 293 Email talk at WDAY.com. I mean, really, I, I, there was a caller who called into the show last week, and he had this great metaphor. He said to think of insurance like a bucket, right? And in the top of the bucket, we're pouring in all the revenues from people who are paying their premiums, right? All the revenue that goes in the bucket. And then in the bottom of the bucket, we've poked a bunch of holes, and that's all the, the, the care that insurance companies are obligated to pay for. So like when you go to the doctor to get a checkup or you've got to, you know, get um, a kidney removed or something like that, you know, all of that's draining out the bottom of the bucket. And the problem is, is the government's been restricting the amount of money that can flow into the top and poking more and more holes in the bottom of the bucket, which is why insurance companies have been fleeing the market. I mean, to me, it's like we're having an ideological fight over something that that is really just it's it's arithmetic right i mean it's it's math this something's got to give here this doesn't work uh, you can't solve this problem you can't solve a math problem with political idealism i mean i sometimes i feel like what we're getting out of the left is is akin to like those diet pills on on television where and, and listen i'm a big fat fatty so i would love to believe that i could take a pill and get skinny and ripped and not have to diet or exercise, right? I'd love to believe that's true, but it's not true, right? You it know, doesn't work that way. Especially from politicians or on TV, like you're saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And that's what right. we were sold with Obamacare, that this was going to solve all the world's problems. Well, and it, it did put an insurance card in more people's pocket, but in many cases, folks who have that insurance card now aren't able to access care because either the insurance company has pulled out because they simply can't make it work, or because they can't afford the massive deductibles or the huge premium increases that were, that were there. So something has to change. And that's why even if this House version is imperfect and the Senate's going to take a step and do a lot of different things and we're going to have more of this debate, and that's a good thing, and I hope they do that in public and as transparently as possible. 
But if it came down to continuing Obamacare as it was versus taking this first imperfect step, the House did the right thing last week. 701-293-9000, What about the part of this, and, and I, I thought the insurance commissioner who was on earlier in the program, John Godfrey, he made an excellent point. He said a lot of this debating about insurance coverage is just sort of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. The real problem is health care costs. Yep. When are we going to get around to addressing health care costs? And, and the two are definitely interchange, but... I mean, it seems to me like the problem is the cost of the care is what's driving the cost of insurance. And we're trying to fix the cost of insurance while doing very little about the cost of care. When, when is that going to be part of the equation? Well, and there's, and there's no question that as our population uh, here in the upper Midwest and nationwide continues to age, that we are going to incur more medical expenses. That's just part of getting older, right? But what's missing from this debate so far, uh, the insurance commissioner is absolutely right. We're just playing a shell game of who's paying for this and how to pay for it, and we're doing nothing to actually reduce the cost of health care. If we can get at that, if we can actually bend that cost curve down and introduce some true free market reforms, and, and probably the best way to do that is at a state level so they can truly be laboratories of, of uh, democracy and laboratories of, of the marketplace here, if we can introduce some of those reforms at the state level to bend that cost curve down, that benefits not only people who are paying out of their own pocket, but also employers who are trying to control one of the costs to their business. And it also benefits state and federal taxpayers because the cost of those public programs would go down. That really is the ultimate goal, is to introduce a pricing mechanism, a true free market indicator for cost and care, give people back both responsibility and the ability to control their health care costs and make intelligent decisions. And that's going to be better for our, for our nation as a whole. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Jason, it sounds great to you and I, but what about the people the Democrats are talking to, the people who are afraid that they're going to lose their insurance coverage? Again, how do we sell them on this? How do we tell them, listen, you're, you're going to be okay. We're going to get through this, but we've got to make some changes. How do we make Well, I think we've got to get some facts out there first. You know, you mentioned some of the sexual assault or rape or, or just being a woman being a pre-existing condition. That is absolutely not true. Take a look at the bill. Take a look at the summaries that, that people have put out there. And the provision that's getting the most attention talking about these pre-existing conditions is one where if you maintain your health care coverage, then... The insurance companies can't charge you more, but if you drop that insurance coverage for um, over 60 days, then they can possibly rate you higher for that first year of premiums. What that is, is that's a provision that they put in to give people an incentive to keep coverage when they're healthy, when they don't need it, and then stay continually insured. Because going back to your bucket analogy, by keeping people insured and giving them the economic incentive to stay insured when they aren't incurring those massively high costs, that's what fills that bucket back up at the top. That's what makes an insurance yeah. system work. And, and that's why we have to give states more flexibility and options in terms of providing products that, say, younger, healthier people can actually afford so that at least even those smaller premiums are going back into the bucket to fill it back up. Jason, thanks for your time. Absolutely, Rob. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. It's Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity. He's the state director for North Dakota and Minnesota. We'll wrap the show up right after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away.
Rob Report here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. The healthcare debate's going about just about the same as every other political debate in this country, which is, you know, somebody floats an idea and then immediately it's the people floating in are fascists and Hitler and cold-hearted and they want people to die. It's it's really remarkable. I mean, we can't. It's that stuff is so unhelpful. I mean, listen, I'm I'm willing to listen. I'm not out there saying this House bill's perfect, that there's nothing wrong with it, that there are things with tweaking. And I I don't want to leave people out in the cold. I don't want to kick people to the curb. I don't want to I don't want to hurt anybody. I, the problem is, we're talking about public policy, and we can't cure everything, right? There's no there's no silver bullet here that's going to help everybody and not hurt people, right? But Obamacare is collapsing. Right. I mean, we're getting to the point where in some states and some parts of the country. You can't get there's no insurance available, like there's no there's nobody on the market. Right. I mean, so this is this is failing. We got to do something. And, you know, unfortunately, I I think we're so caught up in in, in this this partisan point scoring where it's like Democrats are, you know, Republicans put one over on the Obama administration. Right. Right. Like because Obamacare failed and they got a bunch of elected election victories. And it just, it feels to me like Democrats are more concerned about how this is going to play out as a campaign talking point than they are about implementing some sort of policy that's going to fix the problem. Right? I mean, that, that's what we got to get to is, is we, we got to fix the problem. And, and by the way, speaking of fixing problems, I really think that, that the healthcare policy debate, the health insurance, healthcare policy debate illustrates the limitations of a public policy's ability to solve real world problems, right? Because a lot of times, I, I think there is this implicit in some assumption while we're having these debates that public policy can actually fix everything, right? That, that there's there's some policy. That is always the right policy, right? There's there's always some political solution. There's always some public policy solution. And sometimes I, I think the answer, and, and and we don't we don't have the humility to admit this, or at least the politicians don't. Sometimes the answer is no solution at all. Right? I mean, maybe maybe Obamacare wasn't a solution because this isn't a problem the federal government can solve. Without creating other problems. Right. I mean, it's like, I don't know, Kyle, you, you see these these prescription drug commercials all the time. Right. My favorite is the one for like like toenail fungus. Right. Which is kind of gross. <laughs> take some pills. But it, yeah. But it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like you take pills and then your toenails aren't yellow anymore. But then they list the side effects and the side effects are like anal bleeding and, and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, hmm, I think I'd rather I, have I, yellow toenails. I, I would rather just have yellow toenails and. I, I feel like we, we forget that, right? Like, like what's like, well, we have a problem where some people can't afford health insurance. Okay. Well, let's pass Obamacare. And, and Obamacare now were, was worse, I, I feel in a lot of ways of the original problem. Right? I mean, we don't live in a perfect society, right? There are people who are not going to make responsible decisions with their lives. I, I don't know what to do about it. I wish there was a way that they would, but some people don't. You know, or some people are just the victims of plain old bad luck, right? 
It's not your fault you got cancer. It's not your fault you were born with some handicap that's, you know, requires medical care. I mean, that's, that's nobody's fault. It just, it just happens. And so the idea that we can solve these problems with public policy, I, it, to me, it, it smacks of, of hubris. I wish sometimes we had the humility to say, listen, maybe, maybe there isn't a solution here for the federal government. Maybe this is something for the states to solve. Or if the states can't solve it, maybe it's something the markets just have to solve. I, we don't have the humility for that because, because nobody, nobody out there, there's no politician in the world that is going to campaign on the do nothing platform. Right? Like, like campaign on the, we definitely shouldn't just do that, right? You've always got to be for something. That's what we always demand from the politicians, right? Well, if you're against this, what's your plan? What's your plan? Well, well maybe no plan is, is, is the best plan. And I, I, I say that we are probably so far beyond this point in the healthcare debate, right? Where we have, I mean, decades and decades and decades of public policy has gone in to, to bringing us to the point we are now. And there's probably no putting that toothpaste back in the tube, right? There, there probably really is. No going back. But I, I do think it would be nice if we could all just take a step back from this for a moment and reflect on, on the reality that we keep layering more public policy on top of more public policy. It's like treating your toenail fungus with a, with a prescription drug that has side effects that you then treat with more prescription drugs. And the next thing you know, you're taking 15 different pills, all with their own side effects, and it's a mess. I, I think I think the answer for health, I, and this is not a campaign platform anybody can get elected on, but I really think the solution for health care and health insurance in this country is for the government to do less. Do less. Rip some of it apart. Anyway, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'll be around for the first part of it. Remember, you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. or 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.